Hey, good morning, church. How are y'all doing? It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? Man, just feeling the presence of God in worship. Amazing. Amazing. Tori, it's amazing. <laughs> amazing. This thing needs to come on. That would be amazing. All right, there we go. We're here. Hey, um, I have a couple of uh, little adjustment announcements. Let me move this thing right over here. Open some space. James, what's up, man? Good to see you. Hey, double take. Hey, uh, <laughs> tomorrow I asked you guys last week kind of preparing your hearts for uh, going into a little time of fasting and worship. And I want to break that down for you because tomorrow, you may get it tonight, uh, is a link if you're connected to our email or, or phone. And if we have your contact information, we're going to send out a link, a YouTube link each night in preparation for your next day. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll have a fresh worship set uh, in your contact information, how, whether it's email or, or phone. Well, what I'm asking you is to make a switch, a little switcheroo. And things that distract you in your normal routine of life, maybe Facebook, social media, whatever it is, maybe just, uh, you know, axe-throwing videos on YouTube or fishing videos or whatever it is that you kind of check out into numbness, mainly when I'm speaking, or whenever you're during your normal week. If you'll just not do that, instead, just press play, and, and then just begin to begin to discern what it feels like to enter into the presence of God in your home or in your quiet space, wherever that is. And, and, I, and I just feel led to say this. If you're struggling with that, ask the Lord right there, Holy Spirit, why, why am I struggling to enter into worship with you? And then just listen. Because he has the answer. And then on the other side of that thing, begin to fight that distraction, that that thing that all the stuff that starts to wrestle around in your mind and in your soul, your innermost being, and, and just see yourself putting that stuff aside for the sake of pressing in and entering in to worship with your God. And just see what God will do through that and how he will help you to go into your day coming out of that. And it's very important, and I'm Terminology is very important as well. But I want to ask you to do that with us the next three days. And as you do, and, and towards the end of that worship set, just at beginning to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, would you, would you just release freedom into our church, into the church, into your church, Lord? Because we have a freedom conference coming up in August, and we're planting a seed, a spiritual seed right now, that we believe we're going to bear fruit in in the second week, third week of August. Also praying for, that you pray for unity, ask you pray for unity, unity in the body. In a season where there's so much division, just pray for unity in the body. And, and then thirdly, praying for healing, because there's so many people in the body of Christ that are needing healing right now. And so I want to ask you to begin to, in this fast and time of worship, begin to pray that God will release freedom, unity, and healing as well. And so leading into, you know, this next week is... July 4th, we're going to capitalize on this freedom, uh, celebration of freedom, right? And so July 4th, we're going to give you some freedom. I, I, I know that nobody would come in over a late night on Saturday night, but you know, e even if you're, you, you just have a great July 2nd and 3rd and leading up to July 4th, you have big plans, we're going to have one worship experience next Sunday, next Sunday only. It's going to be at 10 a.m. 
I know it's going to be a struggle for some because this group's going to have to get up earlier. I asked the next group, I said, hey, listen, it's okay, stay in bed a little longer. If you want to come early, come join us. We'll be here serving, getting things ready. You're welcome to come and serve with us. That's, that's a great idea. In fact, if you've never gotten plugged in, our next steps is taking place right now. It goes on there in the second and fourth Sunday during 1045. And so you could love for you to go through and check out next steps with us. But next Sunday, we're coming together as one church. One worship time, 10 a.m. And in fact, I forgot to tell this to the first service, there's another church that's going to be joining us. So it's pretty, pretty cool. They're shutting their doors for the weekend, and they're coming over, and they want to worship with us. And so we want you guys to know, yes, that's amazing. That's unity right there. We want you guys to be able to meet those who are in the first service as well. It's like they're, they're, we're one church. We are one church, two different times. Then July 7th, we're starting our discipleship nights, first and third Wednesdays through July and August. We want to have a burden to get the body of Christ discipled and set free. Discipled and set free. Because you, can, you, you can't disciple a demon, and you can't cast out the flesh. And so we, we want to get people discipled and set free. And I, I could just give you a, a thousand testimonies from our freedom, uh, but then discipleship is knowing what I need to do, what the Word says about how I am, who I am in Christ. Because remember, you're a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. Well, what is that? Well, that's where discipleship comes in, to understand and learn the new that we're here to walk in. So uh, that's my announcements there. I do have an introduction. I'm not going to introduce you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> Camille's son. I'm just... <laughs> Poor guy. He's like, man, every time I come to church, Pastor gets me. But I have an introduction, I have an introduction to some uh, new residents, physician residents here in Athens. They're, they've come in. They, they've actually planted deeper roots than I expected, but they're in for, I think, three years for sure. And, and I want to ask Jennifer, Jessica, Brianna, and Shay to stand up. Could y'all, could y'all, I embarrass you to stand up? These right here, yes. So if you don't have a doctor... Hey, be looking this way. They're going to be at the UT Health and Medical Center here in town, and they're going to be as residents in practice for the next three years, for sure here in Athens, Texas. And so we want to welcome these ladies. And Scott, don't forget Scott, as Jessica's husband, the, the beautiful Scott, is assisting. That's her arm piece right there. Ladies, he's taken. So anyway, thank you ladies for being here. Thank you all so much. You, you may be seated. If, again, take a, take a look at those faces. If, you need, if you're needing a doctor, there, there, there they are. And you'll probably see some of them as, they're, as you may be going to see your doctor. They may be uh, shadowing other doctors here in town. So thank you all so much for taking this Sunday to be here. Look no further. Welcome home. <laughs> well, so we're, we're in our, we're in our uh, series, On Earth As It Is In Heaven. On Earth on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've, we've covered many topics leading up to this, and our heart is to really deep down dive into what it means to worship our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords because we are, we are, we are a, a different people now. In Christ, we are a different people, and it just feels so weird because all I can do is remember my old self and my old stuff and, and my past and my history. But we're, we're, we're trying to take from what God has said through Jesus Christ and put it into place in our lives. And he was always telling us what the kingdom looked like in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God. He was continually saying these terms 
And he prayed. He said, when you pray, pray, not my will, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're breaking down how from Genesis to Revelation, this concept has really been shown to the body. And today we're going to take it into a, a new perspective, hit it from a different angle. And I, if you have your Bibles or you have a digital Bible, whatever the case may be, if you want to meet me at 1 Samuel 18, I'm going to get there in a bit, but I'm going to build up to that. I'm going to build up to make it uh, really bring more volume to that 1 Samuel 18. And so we're talking about being carriers of the presence of God. You know, you, you guys heard a lot, it just comes to mind about being carriers. You know, like carriers of COVID, carriers of this, carriers of that, whatever it is. But what if we just switched that off and said, what about carrying the presence of God? How does that work? What does that look like? Can I do that? And we're here to answer that question during this series. And so in this series, the message we're talking about today is his entryway. The topic is his entryway. I'm going to explain that in the last verse that we have uh, of the day. But it, his entryway, his entryway. How does he enter in? And how do we enter in? And so mo most churchgoers or even non-church attenders would know if you talked about the wisest man who ever existed, Solomon. The idea of the name Solomon would come to mind. And so many people, you know that, and even, but yet people outside of the church and inside the church may not know why Solomon asked to have an understanding heart so that he could be the wisest man on earth. Whenever he asks that, God says, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom and an understanding heart. Because you prayed, because you asked for this. But most of us don't even know why. It wasn't an arrogant thing. It wasn't because he wanted to be smarter than his daddy. Uh, it wasn't because he wanted to rule the earth. It wasn't any of those things. But why? So why was it? Why did Solomon pray this? Well, let's look, because we're going to need to know this before we move forward. 1 Kings 3, 5, and 7 says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to, to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. Now, verse 7, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. So he asked for wisdom and an understanding heart because he needed to, he didn't know how to go out or to come in. He says, I'm a little child. He humbles, it's funny because he humbles himself. Now, now we do understand that he's not talking about, I don't know how to operate a door handle, right? To, to go out and to come in. We, we, you're with me on that? Not because he's so small, like my son is two years old and he's, finally, he's learning how to, we have little latch locks and handles, he, he's learned how to go out and come in. He opens the door, pushes it, and goes out. And then when he decides to come back in, he, he, he does it again and comes in. But that's not what Solomon is talking about and he wasn't that small of a child. So what does it mean? What does it mean? If we understand the context and importance of this phrase, we all may be asking at the end of this during that last worship song, God, will you give me a wise and understanding heart? 
Because the context is very important to the application of your everyday, my everyday situation, the everyday circumstances of the body of Christ, of Christ's church. And when we get into a place in the Bible and we see little things like this that pop out to us, but we don't quite grasp, it's our duty to see what the Word of God says about that. The Bible defines the Bible. In fact, we get into trouble and our faith struggles when we just begin to add our truth to what God's Word is intended to say. Or, even worse, when we don't let the Bible define us. Because it's so easy to read something tough and say, mm, mm -mm. nope, mm -mm. don't want to do that, mm -mm. Doesn't, doesn't fit my convenience box. So we let the, the Bible define the Bible, and when we're reading the Bible, we're, let, we're discovering new things about us. So we realign us according to God's word. So I'm heading to 1 Samuel 18, but let me track as well, let me meet you with Moses and track that way to Solomon. In number one, Numbers 27, 15, and 17, it says, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Now, Moses was right here praying to God. He's talking with God as a man talks with God face to face. Man talks with man face to face. Moses is talking with God, and he's saying, listen, um, I, I'm about to go, I'm about to retire, but before you bring about the next pastor for your congregation, I have some concerns for this individual. God is, he's talking about, he's talking with God about the successor. He says, God, there's one thing that I want this successor who, who surpasses me, takes this, takes your congregation from me, there's one thing that I want him to be able to do, and he says it right here. Who may a man who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. You see, whenever we're struggling and we're battling and we're going through some stuff and we're, we feel like we're getting beat up in the world and in life, it's as if we are sheep without a shepherd because it feels like we have no covering. And it could be the problem is we don't, but the problem, if we do have covering, it might just be because we haven't learned how to come in so that we can go out. Twice now we've seen this context, this word, these, this, these, these uh, phrases right here, and both times it's talking about leadership. Now Solomon said, my dad knew how to come in and he knew how to go out. And Moses said, before Joshua gets set as my successor, Lord, please, make sure he knows how to come in and he knows how to go out. Then when Moses made his retirement speech to all of Israel, he said this in Deuteronomy 31. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. Hey, listen, that is not the retirement age of pastors. But if you're 120 and pastoring a church, it's probably time to let it go. There's probably a lot of pastors that need to hear that. <laughs> you know that church. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Deuteronomy, sorry, I can no longer, okay, yeah, Deuteronomy 31, 12, you're, you're with me, Deuteronomy 28, 6. Okay, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out, remember Deuteronomy 28 is talking about blessings and curses and blessings and curses and blessings and curses. 
Blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. What is this phrase talking about? John 10, 9. This is Jesus talking. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. If you look up the Greek word for pasture right here, it's purpose. So he who finds me finds life, of course, we know that. But he will come in and he will go out and he will find purpose for his life. Because Jesus will give it. Let's continue on. The precipice right here, Joshua 14, 11, And as yet I am strong this day, as I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Because that's what we're talking about when we're talking about coming in and we're talking about going out. Why do we come in and why do we go out? It's about war. Both for going out and for coming in. So Solomon said to God, he said, my father, I'm but a child, my father, please help me, Lord, because my father, he knew how to come in and he knew how to go out. And then Moses said, listen, Lord, whoever it is that takes my seat, please teach them how to come in and how to go out. There's something that we need to know and we need to understand because whenever we're talking about Old Testament and even the Bible, New Testament, and we're, we're crossing a river, it's called a cultural river, over to us in modern day era in our place, we have to cross this bridge of what does that mean for us? What did it mean for them culturally and how does that work for us? How does that work for us? Question is this, are we in a war? Absolutely. Do we have an enemy? Absolutely. So we need to understand how this context means for us in spiritual terms when it comes for us to learn how to deal with warfare with the enemy that we have in this world. How many know that your enemy is not your spouse? Three, four, five, six, seven, okay. How many are wondering if the enemy is your spouse? <laughs> there, there, there are still some. I know it, but I'm still wondering. How many are certain the enemy is your spouse? Don't. <laughs> While you're in church, is it going to learn to come in? You're going to learn how to sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> uh, remember, Sol Solomon said, my father knew how to do this. 1 Samuel 18. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand and he went out and he came in before his people. Verse 14, and David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Verse 15, therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. Interesting. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and he came in before them. Isn't that interesting? Man, this... This context of this verbiage, this phrase, saw through the scripture, what is this that we need to know? Now, this is referring to a war, but I, I want to deal more with coming in today than we're talking, than I, than I deal with going out. We'll talk about going out, but I really want to bring it around the purpose of us coming in. So why did they come in from war 
And what did they do when they came in from war? Plainly stating, let me just state it this way, they worshipped. When they came in, they worshipped. No matter what the context of the war was, whether they won it, whether they lost it, or they were in the middle of it, they came in to worship. So if they, were, if they had lost the war, they would come in to ask the Lord, Lord, what took place? What was going on? Why did we lose this war? Remember the Battle of Ai? A little bitty city defeated God's people. And God's already said, I'm going to give you the land. Just go fight. Lord, what did we do? What have we done? What is going on? Or if they won the war, they would come in and they would rejoice in worship. If they were in the middle of a war, they would come into the house of the Lord and they would be refreshed by the Lord so that they could go back out to battle. Let me say it more plainly. If they were losing a war, if they lost a war, rather, they would come in into repentance. If they won the war, they would come in and give God all the glory through worship. Thank you, Lord, because you are glorious. You deserve it all. You are worthy of it all. And if they were in the middle of the war, they would come in to be refreshed, to be encouraged, to be strengthened so that they can be sent out. How many know that there are spiritual principles that we need to know today? So the men would come in to the temple of God and they would worship God no matter what their situation was. So for us, if we're in the middle of a battle or it feels like we've lost a battle we've been dealing with and struggling with in our lives it may be a space for us to come in and find repentance for an area of our life. It may be through worship. It may be if we're winning, we finally won a battle of a struggle that we've been dealing with or a mental state we've been dealing with or a cycle that's been in our lives we've been dealing with and finally we found a breakthrough in freedom and healing and release. Whatever it is, we found victory. We come in and worship and we rejoice to God and say, thank you, we, get, we win, but you get the victory. Boy, remember, I, I want to come in humbly. The day I feel like I got the victory, the day I feel like I did something, the day I feel like it belongs to me, it's a slippery slope. Or I'm in the middle of a battle and I'm struggling and my family's going through it, my finances are going through it, my, my job situation's going through it, my, my circumstances are all out of whack, chaos is, is, feels like is the lead, and I come in and I come to be refreshed to be strengthened and to be encouraged by my brothers and sisters in Christ in worship so that I can go out and continue fighting the good fight. That's our context right here. Let's put this, so let me give you three things that you need, we need, we need to know how we can be presence carriers of God. Number one, worship brings God's presence in our lives. First, first Samuel 18, 12 says, Now Saul was afraid of David. Because the Lord was with him. But he had departed from Saul. So verse Samuel, 1 Samuel 18, 14 said, And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. So this is why when we talked about entering into the presence of God, we strongly advocate worship because David was a worshiper and because God's presence was with him was a response. God's presence was a response to David's action of worship. You tracking with me? And because, da because God responded to David's worship with presence, David also was known for being wise. 
You see the cause and effect here? David, I mean, David worshiped, God responded with presence, and then David had wisdom. David knew how to bring heaven to earth as a worshiper. He was carrying the presence of God before he was even anointed king. He was a shepherd who learned how to carry the presence of God. What made David great as a king was the fact that he was a worshiper. That's why he's known as the greatest king, because he was a worshiper. And what made him great as a king is because he knew how to come in. When we talk about going out, we are talking about going out with the presence of God, not from the presence of God. How, how many have been to that, used to go to that church? I grew up in this church. The pastor would meet us at the door, greet us. Hey, good to see you. Glad you're here. So glad you're here. He would go preach the message at the end of the service. He's at the back door again. Hey, glad to see you. Thank you for being here. How does he do that? He's everywhere. And so many of us are like that. We think that's like Jesus. Jesus met me where I was at the door in church. And then whenever you leave, you think, well, I'm just leaving Jesus behind. I'm just, bye, Jesus. I'll be back next Sunday. And Jesus is like, you may, you may be thinking, no, Jesus, Jesus, no, 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 no. I've been out there. It didn't work out well for me. I'm going to stay in here. And you're thinking you left Jesus in church. But the Holy Spirit is wanting to go with you wherever you go, and it's a mindset of believing and trusting that as I worship God, His presence comes upon me, and I carry Him with me wherever I go. He doesn't stay at church. He's with you no matter where you go. Sometimes we get so confused thinking that Jesus' last words were, go, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He did say that. But his last words were, stay until you've been endued with power from above, clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. That was his last words. Because if you go without staying, you're going to go on your own. But before you go, you need to stay so that you can be clothed with on power, with power from on high, who is the presence of the Holy Spirit, so that when you go, you will go with power. And when you go, you will go with the purpose of being my witness to the whole earth. So he, he's an advocate of going, but first he's saying, listen, before you go, you need to stay. And, you, and while you're staying, you sure do need to humble yourself. What were they doing in the upper room whenever the Holy Spirit fell? Praising and worshiping and praying. And then they were clothed from on high. One person is excited about that. Clothed with on, from, from his presence from on high so that they could go. And what took place? The church grew. Lives were changed. People were healed, baptized, set free, saved. Because the people went out after having come in. They went out clothed, carrying the presence of God. So we don't do this every week, just every weekend. We should be doing this every day. So before you go, go out to war in your daily life, you should be coming in to the presence of the Lord in your private time, your quiet time. Worshiping, knowing, learning to discern, ooh, the presence of God is in this room. 
Probably like some of you felt, most of you felt during worship this morning. Ooh, the presence of God is in this place. It's a response to an invitation that we set as we praise and worship him because we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Guess what? He's there. And we went there. So number one, worship brings God's presence in our lives. Number two, worship brings God's fear in our lives. And, and there's a lot of things we can say about attributes of the fear of the Lord, which is reverence of the Lord. But I'm going to give you another approach to this that you've probably never considered when we're talking about fear and the Lord. And so 1 Samuel 18, 12 says, Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Samuel, 1 Samuel 18, 15. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved, it feels like a riddle right there. Saul saw, Saul saw that he behaved very wisely. He was afraid of him. God had left Saul, and now an evil spirit had come upon Saul. God's presence was upon David, and now Saul was left with this evil spirit. The evil spirit was upon Saul, was, the evil spirit upon Saul was afraid of the presence of God. I'm let that sit. So there was an evil spirit that feared the presence of God. Think about this. Because as you come into worship and the presence of God comes upon you and then you go out to war in your daily life, when you're out there, and you're doing your life, but you're clothed with the presence of God. You can see that an evil spirit has no, has no battle, has no, no chance of messing with you. Let me say it this way. When you start to learn that you're carrying the presence of God and no matter where you go, all of a sudden, things don't bother you that would have bothered you in the past. Struggles don't catch you like they would have caught you in the past. Issues don't cause a stumbling block in your life like they would have in the past. It doesn't mean you don't have issues. It just means when you have issues, like, man, you know what? Praise God. Praise God that he's bringing me through something, and I don't even know what he's doing. Because the stuff doesn't cause turmoil in your soul anymore because of the presence of God. Even more so, when you start to respond back to a difficult situation, you have a response because the wisdom of God, the presence of God is upon you, and he is giving you insight that you wouldn't have otherwise foreknown. Don't think you're that smart, My, my kids have been watching this, this show, Luca. It's uh, on uh, Disney. And, and I was reminded about this. When I was thinking about this evil spirit. Saul had an evil spirit, scared of David. He saw, saw, saw the wisdom on David. And so the, this evil spirit was afraid of the presence of God. Well, I'm, I'm watching Luca, and it's these two little boys. One's older and one's younger. And they were sea monsters. It's a really a good story after it all. They were sea monsters. And the, the older boy had overcome the fear of becoming human first. And he's been walking the earth and, you know, living in this little Italian town. This is based in Italy. And the younger one such, had such a dream to, to see what it's like on, on, on land. And so they become boys. They become humans as they come out of the water. 
And so they meet each other, and uh, the older one's teaching the younger one some how to be brave and how to do some crazy things. And they're going to go down this big, long ramp, and then they're going to jump it at the end, and they're going to go into the ocean uh, together. And, and the, the younger boy is saying, oh, what about this? I don't know about this. What's going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen down there? And, 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 the, and the older boy grabs like a strainer, a metal strainer. Anybody had a metal strainer growing up in the 70s, 80s? Yeah, green probably, like lime green. Yep, amen. So he, he grabs it and he puts it, puts it on his head and he says, tell, tell Bruno Silencio. He goes, huh? He goes, yeah, it sounds like you have a Bruno in your head too. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I just, whenever those little things, those little things start to happen and, and starts to tell me stuff that wants to cause fear and anxiety, I just say, silencio, Bruno. And he goes, so, so tell your Bruno, silencio. He goes, huh? He goes, yeah. And so many of us go through life listening to this voice, and it's causing fear and trepidation in us, and it's causing us to do these other things, making these other decisions that aren't really God's will for our lives on earth as it is in heaven, aren't God's will for our life, but because we're not coming in to worship and carrying the presence of God into the battlefield of where we go of life, we're listening to this voice, this fearful voice that's controlling our lives and ruining our families, ruining the church. It's ruining marriages and it's ruining finances because I'm making fear-based decisions. I'm going to take silence as an Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Can you imagine the presence of God being so tangible on you that wherever you go, the enemy fears you? And that you can walk in such humble boldness and confidence that even if there is conflict, it's going to be okay. Because God is working all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So in the midst of the battle, man, great. Oh, three flat tires? Yes, I'm going to get to meet a fire, somebody who's changing tires today and lead them to Jesus. You know that's faith. <laughs> worship brings God's presence in our lives. Worship brings God's fear in our lives. And number three, worship brings God's wisdom in our lives. God's wisdom, 1 Samuel 18, 14. Therefore, 14. 14, 14, there we go. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, because the Lord was with him. Solomon, David's son, was the wisest man to ever live. Why? Because he asked God to teach him what his father already knew. Yes, David was a warrior, which means he knew how to go out, but he was also a songwriter, a worshiper, who it means he knew how to come in. David wrote many of the Psalms, which are songs, and so he, began, he restored worship to God, in fact. And because of that, God's presence was with him. And God's wisdom was upon him. So Solomon learned how to come into the presence of God. David behaved wisely in all of his ways because the Lord was with him. If you want to know how to handle a difficult situation at work, uh, you want to know how to uh, be, not be surprised by strife and issues, if you want to know how to respond when chaos begins to emerge, it comes 
from having wisdom from the presence of God because you came in to worship. You learned how to come in. If you need to know how to respond to something surprisingly difficult, I mean, wouldn't you rather respond, answer to that situation with the wisdom of God than our own, our own desires, our own will, our own best, best answer, best, best response? Like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to do this. Wouldn't it be better if we just began to release the presence of God through wisdom, because we came in, we did the hard work of going into his presence before and letting our mind be changed, our hearts be changed, and we set aside all the things that were on our hearts and on our, that were burdening us. My greatest burden right now is, is that the church find a deeper love for worship, worship of our heavenly God, so that as we begin to enter, learn how to enter into his presence, because so many people struggle with that. Learn how to enter into his presence, and while we're in his presence, begin to commune with him, to hear what he has to say about our day, our family, our struggle, our situations, and then from that place, respond in obedience to what he's saying, even when it doesn't feel good. Even when I've got to change some things to get there. Even when it might take a bit of a risk, and I don't understand how this is going to turn out. But wouldn't it be better to know that my Heavenly Father is going to get me through it? He who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. If I just continually listen to what He's saying, put it back on Him, say, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you say, that's what I want to do. Whatever you say, that's what I want to do. He's going to continually work it out, maybe through fear and trembling, but He's going to work it out in you and through you, because eventually his will, his will is going to come to fruition. It's his desire. He blesses his decisions. Let me put it that way. He blesses his decisions, and if we will just own his decisions and walk it out, he begins to bless it. Solomon was the wealthiest and the wisest person of his day, but there was another. Look at Second Chronicles 9, 1 through 4. It says, now when the queen... Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions. Having a very great retinue, which is like a, a big group of people, a big, a big posse, a big parade, a big, a big ensemble, a lot retinue. Camels that bore spices, gold in abundance. I'll share with you what that was. And precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered her all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, remember this wisdom came from the Lord. The wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built... Verse 4, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel. Listen, everything was excellent and in order. So much to be said about that. His cupbearers and their apparel, and his entryway. This is where we get the statement for this message. And his entryway, by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in here. There, there was no more argument she had. Literally, the word spirit is breath. There was no more breath 
in her. When she saw how Solomon came in to the house of the Lord, oh my gosh, the most amazing thing I've ever seen. The wealthiest, the wisest, every reason to be arrogant, haughty, and proud, every reason to have people bowing at his knees, his feet, but instead he came in to the house of the Lord and bowed before the throne of God. And when the queen of Sheba saw that, oh, that's how. Queen of Sheba came from where the Magi came from. They came, she came from a place that, that worshipped wealth and, and, and wisdom. They loved Proverbs and riddles. She was, teaching, she was talking to the most proverbial person in all the world. She came because she heard there was somebody that may be more wise than her. She wanted to contest that. And it literally took her breath away. She came to prove herself. She came, she brought 9,000 pounds of gold as an offering, as a gift. That's, that's $170 million in our time. <laughs> Anybody got $170 million? I mean, it's, it's a tithing, tithe box is right back there by DeVita. <laughs> we can do a lot. <laughs> and when you got 170, you roll with $170 million, you can have a retinue. I'm coming over for dinner. Do you mind if I bring my retinue? <laughs> sure. In all of that, what got her was when she saw how all Solomon came in to the presence of God. And when she saw it, there was no more breath within her. And that's what we want. When we are out in the world and people have tough questions for us, God is giving the answers. I don't know the answer. Lord, help me. They are willing to hear about God because His presence is on you. And they see how His wisdom is blessing you. How many know that people are watching your life? Yeah, they're watching. And they're wondering how you're living this life before them because they need to know, is, is this life with Christ really that valuable? Is it really mean something? Is it really going to help me? Because I'm watching by example that's being led through those who tell me that they're going to church. Tell me who belong to him. But when we're carriers of his presence and we're able to begin to just provide a response, an answer that solves their problems, and we realize that didn't come from us. Guess what? When we're willing to be that people, God begins to give us the wisdom because he knows, oh, they're not going to keep the glory. They're going to come in from the battle, and they're going to give me all the glory. Why wouldn't he give the answers to a people who are willing to be humble before him and do that? If you come in to worship and go out with his presence, you don't have to push Jesus on anyone. Jesus makes a way with his presence being upon you. And as he makes a way, all you have to do is just release Jesus into the situation. Ezekiel 46 and 9 says, But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. 
And whoever enters by way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. What he's saying is, when you come in to worship, when you come in to worship, you should never leave the same as when you came in. You should always leave a different person when you come in to the house of God to worship. I'll say it this way. You can only leave differently when you've learned how to come in to worship. And God's way, we always let the Bible define the Bible. Give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. You are worthy of it all. It all belongs to you. It's not about me anyway. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to find pasture. All, of me, all I am is a vessel of the presence of God. So he can be released into any scenario, any situation, any circumstance that's necessary, wherever he carries me, wherever I go. My family is, is going through it. Lord, I know you have an answer for this. You're the greatest father. And you got a lot of a lot of children you know you have to work through issues with. You got the answer. Financial struggles. Oh, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You manage them, so you can teach me how to manage this right here. Job struggles. Oh man. He's got it. He's got it. He is the great physician. Need healing? These amazing doctors over here who have done all their work, they just, they know they have it all, they've got it all figured out. It's just, there's just something that's unique to this situation and I just can't put my finger on what it is. He's got it. That thing that continually causes me to hang up when I get into this situation of life, I keep doing this. He's got it. All I have to do, you're telling me, Pastor, all I have to do is come in and worship and enter into his presence. Give him praise and thanksgiving. And take my mind off of my stuff and just put it on him. And he, he's going to give me a download of of what to do next, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And if you've never been in a place like this, on your knees, on your face, with your, before the Lord, let me tell you, it is the most liberating place you can find yourself. You want to see life being changed? You want to see heart, your heart being melted before the Lord? You want to you see situations change in a supernatural way that you could never control? It looks like this. saying, I am not great, but you are, and I exalt you in my life, I exalt you in my heart, I elevate you in my mind, my soul, my family, my finances, my situation, and then when you just begin to listen to that voice, the voice that doesn't bring fear, it doesn't bring division, it doesn't bring dissension, 
it may not make sense, but trusting that God has a greater outcome for your life than you do, even, you'll begin to see transformation. You will have experienced the power of a holy God. I stand here as an example. I want to pray for you. Because I know there's a hunger and I can see a hunger all across this room. And I know it's that, that leap of faith saying, but what about me? Can he really, would he really, would he really, after all I've done, would he really do that for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this week as we go into this fasting and worship, I just want to ask you to press play and sit. And every competing thought, I just want to ask you to push it away. And if you can't sit there peacefully in the presence of God, ask the Holy Spirit, what is going on? Why can't I just be at peace and at rest for you for this allotted amount of time? What do you want to talk with me about today? Don't be afraid to go there with him. Don't be afraid. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say about that? What is it about that that you would like to address with me today? Because let me tell you, if you're willing to be so brave and so bold, so courageous to go through that and worship with the Lord, let me tell you, you will know what it means to carry the presence of God into the battlefield and no longer be uncovered, feeling left without a shepherd. So pray this with me today. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, come on, say, Lord, would you give me an understanding heart and your wisdom? In Jesus' name.